Hello and welcome to another edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Bible Studies uh, based on the Daily Bible in Chronological Order edited by F. Lagarde Smith. If you have been following along with us, this is a great week <laughs> because you are now in the New Testament. What a what an accomplishment. Good for you. And if you haven't been reading along with us, then as you know what I'm going to say, start reading with today's reading first. And let that reading be the one that you want to uh, get caught up with and begin right there. And uh, that way you can catch up when you have time. But read today's reading first. And today's reading is exciting because we're getting to read all about the stories of the birth of Jesus Christ. Having gone through a few days of uh, learning about that, that uh, time in between the Old Testament and New Testament, uh, there were a few days of reading in uh, Brother Smith's book about that, and I hope that you did that. It's uh, very interesting to me, and it's also very informative, and it helps us to understand some of the things that we're going to be reading about in the Gospels regarding Jesus and his life and ministry and death and resurrection, and then, of course, in the pages of the Bible uh, that come after that, starting with the book of Acts, and that it's a great, great reading for those few days, the last day or two. And today we're looking at the great uh, blessing of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior. And it's a very familiar story. These, these words are quoted and read so often by so many uh, every year around Christmas time. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing. I know that Jesus wasn't necessarily born on December 25th, and I get all of that, but I tell you, I like what Paul says when he was uh, acknowledging that there were people outside of the jail in Philippi where he was who were preaching Christ, but some with impure motives just to cause trouble for him. And Paul said, I don't care. I'm just going to rejoice that Jesus is preached. And that's that's how I feel about that. We love Christmas music. Joyce is all about Christmas. I'm pretty sure that uh, she's itching to put up the decorations already. And uh, we're excited about those blessings that come with that wonderful time of the year. And it is a, it is a great blessing today to be able to share about that same story. Uh, as we read through the Bible, much of it is Old Testament, and we've been through all of that. And now we're beginning in the New Testament, and it is a very exciting time. And uh, we've, we uh, realize that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Gospels. Uh, I think Lagarde Smith does a great job introducing uh, that study and acknowledging that they come from different perspectives. They're all inspired. They're talking about the same story, many times the same events, but they each have their own perspective, and they each have their own purpose and the Holy Spirit uses all four of them to, to bring this message to us. As he says, they're not biographies, so don't read them that way. But they are gospels. They're evangelistic. They're meant to tell the church the story all over again so that the church can tell the story to others. And that's exactly uh, what we live to do. And I'm grateful that you've been a part of this journey uh, as well. 
Uh, I love the way Mark starts the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, Mark, that very matter of fact, the shortest of the four gospels, doesn't spend a lot of time with any of the introductory stuff, but gets right to it and begins right there and goes into John the Baptist and Jesus and their teaching. Um, as you know, Luke is a little more meticulous, Dr. Luke, and uh, he has a lot of details, and he acknowledges in the first few verses of, of his gospel, the book of Luke, that he did his research. He acknowledged that there's a lot out there that's written about uh, Jesus and everything that happened, and so he says to his friend Theophilus, uh, you know, he said, I, I felt like I needed to, to research this and do my homework, and and I wanted to send you uh, this story as well. And of course, the Holy Spirit guiding him through all of that. And that's a great, uh, great thing. Matthew begins his uh, gospel with uh, the genealogy, a very general statement. First of all, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we'll talk about his genealogy in just a moment. But I do want us to start with John chapter 1, because in many ways, John chapter 1, verse 1, is um, talking about a time even before Genesis 1, 1. Genesis, as you know, says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, John 1, 1 speaks of a time that's from eternity. Before that, this is how it starts in John's gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. So verse 3 gets us to creation. But verses 1 and 2 talk about the eternity that came before them. And during that time there was God. Uh, there was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And then we skip down a little bit and we realize in verses 3 and following that the word was active in creation, but we still haven't heard what that word is until verse 14. John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Very powerful statement echoed a few verses later in verse 17 when uh, John acknowledges the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that grace and that truth are both essential. And neither one of them is to be without the other. And you can't, sometimes they seem to be in tension uh, because you have grace and mercy, but you also have truth and justice and obedience. And all of those are essential. Jesus was a firm uh, follower and uh, was very faithful in living a life of grace and mercy and forgiveness, but also living a life of truth and God's word. In fact, he prays towards almost at the very end of his life, not my will, but yours be done. He tells his disciples, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross to do it. Uh, Jesus was very much a firm, com uh, firmly committed to obeying the will of the Father, uh, and yet at the same time, he was full of grace and full of mercy, uh, and us doing that today is, is our challenge, and we can't sell out to either one, grace or truth, but we are firmly committed to both, to both. 
And that's how John's gospel started. And it's an incredible, incredible statement. But then we turn back to Matthew chapter 1. And again, this incredible genealogy, Matthew 1 and Luke 3, both record the genealogies of Jesus. Uh, Matthew 1 begins this way, as I said, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And that gives us a little bit of a hint about what's to come. Because you think, I don't know that this is complete. Well, of course it's not complete. Uh, certainly Jesus wasn't Abraham's grandson, nor was David Jesus' father. But that's the, the way that the Hebrews worked. They summarized those things. They made enough of the blanks filled in that they had that connection. And, and Jesus is, is established as a descendant of King David and a descendant of Father Abraham, both of those to fulfill prophecy from the Old Testament. Matthew begins uh, with a very strong commitment as he is writing his gospel primarily, I think, to a Jewish uh, audience of hearers and trying to convince them through the Old Testament that Jesus is the Messiah and reminding those who have already named the name of Christ that he is the fulfillment of all the prophecy. As you read through these genealogies and you look at Luke's version, they're a little bit different and, and we get that. And they're different. That doesn't mean that there's a contradiction. It simply means, again, that they come from a little bit different perspective and purpose. Uh, Matthew's genealogy is probably taken from Jesus' stepfather, from the husband of Mary, Joseph. And that was faithful to the way the Jews did it. And so Matthew establishes Jesus as being descended uh, all the way from Abraham through David and then ultimately to Joseph, who was married to Mary, who was uh, the, uh, the wife of Joseph and the mother of Jesus. And the Matthew's um, uh, genealogy gives us uh, some wonderful things. We're reminded as I read through these genealogical lists, <laughs> kind of like the list we saw at the end of the Old Testament, uh, I, I look at... Um, uh, I, I look at some of those key names and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons and a daughter. But which is the royal line? Which is the line through which David and ultimately Jesus came? Well, it was Judah, the lion of Judah, fulfilling all of those uh, prophecies. We see Zerubbabel in that royal line. Zerubbabel, a key part of the exiles after they returned from Babylonian captivity and helping uh, to rebuild the temple. Well, he might have been considered the governor or leader of those exiles, and he was of royal stock. He was also in the line of King David. But there are a few surprises as well, and they pre primarily involve the women that are mentioned, and uh, uh, Dr. Smith brings that out. The first one is Tamar, who was Judah's um, really not Judah's wife, but uh, she had been married to his son who died, and she never was able to get uh, a, a, uh, another son of Judah to marry her and carry on her, uh, aunt, her descendants. And so she deceived Judah and basically had a son through him. And this was, uh, she finds herself in the line of Christ. It's an amazing thing. Uh, that story in Genesis 38, Rahab, 
there's a Rahab mentioned uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 1. Could very well be that Rahab that we find in Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6, this Canaanite woman. Uh, Ruth is also mentioned, and her great story is seen in that book of Ruth, and the line that leads to David is mentioned there at the end. But Ruth wasn't originally a Jew. She was from Moab, one of the enemies of the Jews. She was a Moabitess, and yet she turns out to be David's great-grandmother. Amazing story. And then uh, David's wife herself, uh, Bathsheba, is the one through whom the royal line continues. And Solomon is born uh, from David and Bathsheba, and Bathsheba uh, is not even mentioned by name. Uh, it is just said in Matthew 1, Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And so that scandal even continued so much so that Matthew couldn't bring himself to write her name down. Uh, and yet she is there. She is there. And what a great tribute that is to God and his mercy. And finally, Mary, the mother of Jesus, this young woman, perhaps in her teens, uh, who became engaged to Joseph and became the mother of Jesus Christ. It's uh, an incredible story, and we'll leave, uh, we'll leave that to, uh, to be able to say some more about it. When you compare those two genealogies, there are significant differences. Uh, Matthew goes from Abraham to Jesus, and uh, Luke goes, starts with Jesus, and again, I think goes back through the line of Mary, his mother, and, and goes all the way to Adam. And Adam is called uh, the son of God, uh, created in that very special way that we read about in the first few chapters, first couple chapters of Genesis. Um, and, and we see David's son Solomon in Matthew's genealogy, another son of David, Nathan, not from Bathsheba, in, uh, uh, in, um, uh, in Luke's genealogy. And so that's, again, one of those differences. They come together down the line at Shealtiel and Zerubbabel and some others. And, uh, and so it's interesting to compare those two, both uh, descended from David, uh, both uh, lines that lead back to Abraham, and uh, both lines that fulfill all the prophecies. Um, it's interesting as we continue on and we read this story, after the genealogies, we're introduced to a couple of descendants, not of Judah, uh, but of Levi, his brother. Levi was the priestly tribe, and Elizabeth and Zechariah are both descended from that line. Uh, Zechariah was a priest, which meant he was not only a descendant of Levi, but also a descendant of Aaron, the brother of of Moses, and he served his time as a priest. And as we read that story in Luke chapter 1 of Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were older, much like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and yet had not had any children. And so when, when uh, Zechariah is in the, the temple performing his priestly duties, he is met by an angel. And the angel says, your prayers have been lifted up to God. He has heard you. You and Elizabeth in your old age are going to have a son. And Zechariah says, uh, well, come again. I, 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 how is that possible? And, um, and the, the angel tells him he will be the prophet that will prepare people for uh, the Savior to come. But since you doubted, Zechariah, uh, you will not be able to speak until 
um, until that time comes. And so sure enough, he goes out and he tells Elizabeth and uh, tells her with sign language and, and writing, I'm sure. And uh, then when Elizabeth's baby is born, his mouth is opened and he sings that wonderful song of praise, very sim similar to the Magnificat that Mary will share. Uh, but this is in Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 57. And it sounds much like the prophets of old in that song of praise that Zechariah gives. Um, as, uh, as Elizabeth and Zechariah are preparing uh, for the birth of their son, John, who will be the prophet, uh, the voice crying in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, and that'll be the reading coming up. Uh, but um, they, uh, another uh, uh, visit is made uh, to Mary. And of course, these great words are found in, in Luke chapter 2. Luke, very detailed about uh, the the birth narrative and about everything that was that was going on and when Mary is called in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy Luke 1 verse 26 God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth one of two angels named in the Bible the other one being Michael God sent the and we still name our children Gabriel and Michael and Elizabeth and Joseph and Mary. Isn't that interesting? Uh, even a form of the name Jesus is found in, uh, in, in children even today. God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Interesting that um, in Luke's gospel, uh, Joseph and Mary are living in Nazareth already, but they're from uh, Bethlehem in in uh, Judah and Judea because they are descended from King David, um, and and but they start in Nazareth and as you know later on they'll return uh, to Nazareth and continue to live there. The angel is sent to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, that northernmost province. If you think of Judea, where Jerusalem and Bethlehem are in the south. And then Samaria, the middle province, and then Galilee to the north. I call it much like Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Um, and, and so you have Judea and Samaria and Galilee. Uh, Jesus will be raised in Galilee and Nazareth and begin his ministry there, but he is born in Bethlehem of Judea. Uh, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus, literally the name means Jehovah, the Lord, saves. Um, and that will be his name. And of course, Mary asked the question that everyone after her will ask. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, 
And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. What a great statement. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And of course, then Mary has to go tell Joseph. Uh, Matthew records uh, uh, the angel going and visiting Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. But it's interesting to me that the angel doesn't go there at first. The angel goes and tells Mary, and of course that's essential. But then Mary is the one that tells Joseph. And Joseph, being a righteous and devout man, doesn't buy it. Oh, sure. You got to be kidding me. An angel came, told you you're going to have a child. We've never had sex. You've never had sex with anyone. I don't know. I'm not buying it, Mary. Uh, love you, but I'm not buying it. And because he was a devout and considerate and loving, compassionate man, uh, Joseph could have made a big, huge deal about that. According to the law, could have even made a case to have Mary killed for committing adultery. But he does not. And, and instead, he plans to put her away um, uh, privately and quietly um, so that she will have as little shame as possible. They were engaged, and and uh, for the record, for the first century Jews, that was a very significant thing. Um, and then the angel comes to Joseph, and he says, don't, don't worry about it. This is from God. She's telling you the truth. Um, and the Holy Spirit has come upon her, and so this child that will be born to her will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, and Matthew makes that connection with Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7, you remember we talked about it in the days of Isaiah and Hezekiah. Uh, there would be a little boy running around who was born of a young woman, and that term is the one used in the Old Testament. Uh, a virgin, a young woman, not a woman who's never had relations, but a young woman. And that child would be a sign for Hezekiah and for those in his day. But then Matthew recalls that and says, uses a different term. Now the Greek language, a very specific term that speaks not just of a young woman, but a young woman who is a virgin who has never had sexual relations. And he applies that to Mary and says, that's why this one inside of her, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, will be called the Son of God and Emmanuel, God with us. What a tremendous, incredible, incredible uh, story. Uh, and, and we have to uh, uh, give kudos to Joseph because he could have acted a lot differently, but instead he accepts the word there. And, you know, Joseph and Mary were going to be shamed a lot in their lives because until Jesus uh, begins his ministry, uh, who is going to buy this story? <laughs> who is going to believe them? Uh, when they tell it, and they probably tried to hide it as often as they could because of that. Um, but they are willing to do it, both of them committing to do what the Lord has called them to do. So when Mary hears that Elizabeth's pregnant, she goes to see her because they're related, probably an aunt of some sort, maybe even uh, a, 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 a great aunt, as we call her, and so Mary goes, and in Luke chapter 1, Luke records those wonderful words. And when, uh, when Mary comes to see Elizabeth, who is now six months pregnant, um, uh, Elizabeth says, Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord would come to see me? In fact, she says, When I heard your voice, the baby inside of me leaped or leapt for joy. 
And I believe this is something that is a, a very relevant passage of Scripture for in the debate about abortion because those babies inside of Mary and Elizabeth were very much alive and very much in development. And even, uh, even Elizabeth understood that that baby within her, who would be John the Baptist, um, was one who actively understood and was filled with the Spirit, not just from birth, but even from conception, and sent uh, uh, that undeniable message that um, how joyful he was already still in the womb. Uh, we read about in, in many passages of Scripture, uh, those who, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, others who said that God had called them from their womb to be uh, preachers and prophets, uh, that great Psalm 139, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in our mother's womb by God himself. I pray that our nation will repent and, and that I, we see positive signs because more and more the science is telling us what we have always known, and that is that that baby inside is very much alive. I love the, the slogan, love them both, mother and child, both born and unborn. And I certainly want to see us do exactly that. Certainly this story of Mary and Elizabeth and the babies in their wombs uh, affirms all of the sanctity of life. And then John is born uh, towards the end of Luke chapter 1. And, um, and he is born and Zechariah's uh, mouth is open. They go to Elizabeth and they say, what, what, should we, what do you want to name this child? And she says, is, uh, we're going to name him John. That's what the angel said. And they said, wait a minute, you don't have anybody in your family named John. And she says, nope, nope, it's John. And so they go to Zechariah and he makes, uh, they make motions to him and he calls for something to write with. And he writes down, his name is John. And at that moment, his, his lips were opened and his voice came back and he gave this wonderful song of praise uh, at the end of Luke chapter 1. Sounds very much again like what Mary would say in just a little bit. And John grows up to be strong in spirit. And boy, is that ever true, as we will see down the road. And then in Luke chapter 2, in short passage in Matthew chapter 1, we read about the birth of Jesus himself. Uh, because of the census, they had to leave Nazareth and go down to Judea, down to Bethlehem. And as you know, when they got there, they couldn't find a good place to stay. So they ended up finding what, a place where they could, and they ended up being uh, in a place where the animals were kept. And uh, when Jesus was born, he was wrapped in those cloths and put inside a manger, some kind of feeding trough, really, uh, for the animals, and um, and it was a great, great moment. And when he was born, as you know, uh, angels appeared to nearby shepherds, uh, and those wonderful words, uh, when they were afraid, as I would be, at the sight of angels, they said, today in the city of David, Bethlehem, is born to you a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. You'll, you'll, you'll go and you'll see him, and, uh, and you'll see him lying there in those claws. Uh, and the shepherds uh, say, oh, let's go, and they do, and when they do, they go, and they worship him, and then they leave and tell everybody that they can about him. And so Joseph and Mary remain there in Bethlehem. Uh, as best we can tell, they find a better place to live for a while, and they're there until they go to Egypt, as we'll read later 
and then returned to their home in Nazareth. Uh, but um, when it's time, they take the baby Jesus to the temple because there are things in the law that, that require them to go and make everything official and offer up the sacrifices and all of that. And when they do, there are two older uh, people, uh, Simeon, an old prophet, and Anna, a widow of many, many years. Simeon had been given a vision. He had been given a message that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And sure enough, when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus, he takes the baby Jesus in his arms, and he announces that. And he tells Mary, there's going to be difficulties for you too. A sword will pierce your heart as well. But this baby will be the cause of joy throughout all the earth. Anna, the prophetess herself, uh, realizes that this is something that's very special and announces that same thing. Uh, what an incredible, incredible story already. <laughs> it's just started. We're just starting in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I hope if you're using Lagarde Smith's Daily Bible, remember that it is uh, harmony of the Gospels to an extent, as he has explained in the introductory part to uh, the Gospels. He, he uses, when there's repetition, he uses a primary verse, and it's in bold in your text, and the uh, references are in the margin, and the one that uh, he's using is in bold, but the one the others that uh, reference that are in light-colored font, and, uh, and that's how you can tell where you are because he is going to go back and forth. Again, they're not biographies. They're not exactly alike. They don't all have exactly the same information, but there is some duplication. And so this will be a valuable tool for you to read the story of Jesus from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think there's value reading each of them individually uh, for their own purpose and for their own uh, perspective. Uh, but I also think what uh, we're going to get to do in the weeks ahead is to read through the chapters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that take us through the story of uh, the, the very brief windows into Jesus' childhood. And then as he begins his ministry, uh, we recount that three years or so as he is teaching the will of the Father, telling people to repent, uh, telling them to love their neighbor as themselves, uh, telling them to love God, telling them to be obedient to his will, and ultimately giving his life on the cross for our sins. And then the great story of that tomb being found empty on the third day. Uh, that's what we have ahead of us. I look forward to sharing this journey through the Gospels with you. May God bless you and give you a wonderful, wonderful weekend.